Welcome to another episode of Employability Matters, a careers-related podcast where we dive into all topics associated with the world of work. We feature special guests sharing their personal career journey, as well as provide you with job search tips and relatable advice with your host, Sophia Lewis. Have you ever wanted to live abroad and run a successful business or even start a new career? Well, in our international series, you will hear from amazing people from around the world who have left their place of birth and moved to another country to either set up a business or even work in a new job role. Joining us today, we have a very special guest and friend of mine, Lanre Shoniger, who is a successful serial entrepreneur, however prefers to define himself as a collaborator, who currently resides in Lagos, Nigeria. Lanre has 16 years global experience as a manager, senior manager, head of department in risk management, human resources, business processes and operations. He has spearheaded the delivery of projects worth £6 million in the past five years. Industries include construction, telecoms, marine services, oil and gas services, oil and gas procurement. In this episode, you'll be hearing all about Lan Ray's career journey, leaving the United Kingdom to move to Nigeria and his personal lessons learned. So let's get started. And I am so happy, I can sing that, that you are joining me today to talk about your career, your vast career. Hello, yeah? I was reading <laughs> through your um, career know. summary, Lanre, and I was like, oh my gosh. And thank you, Lanre. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, um, I'm really happy. When you said, when you asked me to do it, I, 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 I said yes, but then I started thinking, oh, you know, I hope I have lots of value to add, and it's not just <laughs> an opportunity to just see Sophia and chat. <laughs> I, I do hope I have some, you know, um, nuggets of advice that would actually help, because um, I, I think it's important. Um, um, I, I'm quite introspective, so you know, mm. it, uh, I, I started thinking about it immediately. What am I going to say? And when I saw the questions that that you had um, sent to me I was like oh. <laughs> it's going to be interesting so ah that's good that's good do you know what um myself and Lanre we go way back you know um way back in time I can't I know it's the 2000s but I can't remember which year type of thing 2003 yeah yeah, yeah. a long time so I know I've known you yeah. over Oh my gosh, maybe over 15 years now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. And you know what? I was thinking about um, just a minute ago and I was thinking about, Mm. oh gosh, I remember when I left Tower Hamlets College and um, my friend, my good friend, Amanda McCarthy, she had a a birthday dinner. Do you remember that? We went to a Ghanaian restaurant on Holloway Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I've still got those pictures, you know. Those are good times. Good, good times. So I'm wow. so grateful, Lanre, that um, I've reconnected with you. Thank you to Samantha, 
like yes. big up Samantha, you know, and stuff. So we are going to deep dive into your career. You have definitely got lots to add. You know, you are an entrepreneur. <laughs> you are a strategic thinker <laughs> and all of those wonderful skills and qualities. I'm sure that our listeners would be, you know, interested to hear about especially mm -hmm. if somebody wanted to possibly move to Nigeria, move to Africa, so many op opportunities in Africa and, and why not? So the first question is, just introduce yourself, tell us who you are and your occupation. Okay, uh, my name is Lanry uh, Um I'm going to be 45 on Thursday. Oh, <laughs> awesome. It's, I'm going to remember that then and send you birthday wishes. <laughs> Yeah, um, I moved back to Nigeria. Um, well, I was actually born in the UK, um, and um, my parents, both my parents, schooled in the UK. Uh, my my dad's ninety one now, and my mom's eighty seven. But they wow. both in, and they both met in the UK. Um, but my mom's not Nigerian. My, my mom's from Sierra Leone. Um, so they actually, so they met in in the UK. They got married in London, and then they, then after a while, they moved back to. Back to Lagos, Nigeria, um, and I've been back and forth uh, living in the UK and living in Nigeria. Well, all my life, really. So, um, both both the UK and, and Nigeria are very familiar to me. Um, they both feel like home. I did my schooling in, mostly in the UK, um, and um, I graduated um, from a master's degree uh, from Nottingham. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> My goodness, 20. But you know what, Lanra, I was looking at your career summary and you mentioned you've got an MA from Nottingham University, isn't it? Yeah. In IT. Yeah. Yes. You was definitely thinking far ahead in advance because now you know that IT and tech and all of yeah. that is yeah, yeah, yeah. booming yeah. right about now. Yeah. Like 20 yeah. years ago, you was like, oh, okay, I'll just yeah. do a master's in IT at Nottingham University, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because my, my dissertation was on kind of like smartphones at that time wow. because there weren't there weren't really smartphones anywhere apart from I mean apart from Japan actually, um, Japan had the earliest forms of smartphones where you could look at you know train timetables etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so yeah, quite interesting. Awesome. Um, so I've been living now in Nigeria for uh, since two thousand seven, um, so thirteen years, and I've done quite a few things <laughs> in that time as you as, as, you as say, I can I, see yes yeah and and when when I when when people ask me you know what my occupation is it's a very difficult question yeah um and my partners and I in the past have sat down and we've all struggled to answer what do we do <laughs> you know people sometimes think I'm an engineer people have thought that I'm an architect um and they're quite surprised when I I'm, I, I say no, I'm not any of those things, um, because because some of the some of the things that I've been involved in that tend to be a, a little bit more technical, right? And, and um, people automatically assume, "Are you an engineer?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm not an engineer." But it's just, but I guess it's the passion you come across with when you're trying to um, sell something. Um, it's more like technical sales. You know, you're trying to sell a product, and you have to get into it with the ultimate decision maker, who might actually happen to be an engineer, for instance, or an architect, and um, and uh, you need to be on their wavelength. And so, because of that, you need to take in quite a bit of technical data. So, occupation is difficult. I, I still, um, 
I like I I thought I think of myself more as a collaborator, really. Mm, I like um, that collaborator. Mm. Because uh, the past year, I've gotten involved in um, in the landscaping business, um, and initially, I went in there to help. It's an SME, so I went in there just to help to consult and give guidance on how the business could move forward. And I, we're now at the stage where I've been asked to come on board as a kind of like operations director. So I'm not there every day. I just, you know, dip in and dip out um, as the business needs me and, you know, give advice as to how, in terms of the operations, things can be run. Um, I, I, I know about three plants. <laughs> and that's yeah. about it. That's but about it, yeah. yeah. You know they need but, to be watered and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, because when I was looking at your um, career summary, I'm just going to pull out the key words, right? Because I'm really right. proud because you're my friend and I'm proud. <laughs> so I'm going to blow your trumpet. Okay. So key words, 16 years global experience. Okay. Um, risk management, senior manager, spearheaded delivery, implementation of projects. Oh, love that. Worth 6 million. Okay. In the past five years, um, director of operations, you know, construction um compressed um, natural gas i'm like whoa opportunities in compressed natural gas i was like oh i want to find out about that you know um a shareholder executive director construction oil and gas and procurement industries i was like whoa landry i'm so proud of you as my friend you know seriously talk us through um your career journey um was it a seamless shift coming from the UK and going to Nigeria to set up um, your first business. Okay, because um, um, at the time when I when I joined the, the FSA or the FCA as, as they're now called, um, as part of their their processes for managing their staff, should we say, they have this um, they have this five year plan, um, and and one of the questions where do you want to be in five years time? And they use that to identify how they can, they can shape and mold careers and move people into the right place. And one of the things, and I just said, I wanted to, in five years time, I want to be in Nigeria. Mm. Um, and then you have to work back and see what does that look like? Um, you know, on a day-to-day, how can we help you achieve that goal? Um, and I started, you know, coming home. I mean, I used to come home for Christmas, you know, and, uh, but, but that's not, the, coming home for Christmas is not a true reflection of what's going on, uh, you know, outside of the holidays. Very um, true. So I started to come home at other times, just to come home and see what was going on. And then I started to um, look for work um, and make contacts. And then it, it, it slowly progressed from there to actually coming home for interviews. So I had a number of interviews, a number of banks, um, and other kind of financial institutions. So before I came home, uh, what I did was I, 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 I came home with a job. I was offered a, a job in, an, in kind of an investment bank. Um, and, um, and then I spent another seven or eight months coming home and, you know, every holiday I got, I got, I, I, now that was one of the things that motivated me to work because when I got back to the UK and I got back to work, I was so motivated to, I mean, they supported me because I used to just get up and be like, oh, I need to be in Lagos on Friday. And they'd be like, yeah, sure, go, you know, do what you need to do. Um, and and I'd, come on a, I'd come to Lagos on a Friday, have an interview and leave on a Saturday or a Sunday and be back in, in work on a Monday. 
Um, so that gave me a lot of motivation to do quite a, quite a lot of work. And I think the idea was, if you apply this to an organization, then what you're going to get is that you're going to get people who are super motivated to achieve for the organization because the organization is buying into what you have to offer. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, my, my manager sat on my desk one day and said, oh, you need to take a holiday. And I'm like, I, well, why? I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have any holidays. <laughs> and she said, no, you have 60 days of holidays. You have 60 days of holiday. You haven't been holiday in two years. Now, it, at the back of my mind, I was, I was fresh. I was fine. But because I was, I was motivated because they were supporting me so much and I was able to go away and to me, those felt like holidays. Holidays, yeah. And I was quite surprised to, to find out that I had 60 days of Hold leave on for take. a minute, one minute. 60 days <laughs> of leave, Lanry. Yeah. What? Yeah. And um, so we had this arrangement where I could have every Friday off. I think I had every Friday off about 12 weeks. Yeah. And oh then I had, to, <laughs> I had to find other ways and we had to find other creative ways to, to have time off. But I... At that time, because of what was being invested in me, it it, it was a no-brainer. I just, what do you mean holiday? I'm, I've had lots of holidays. I'm, I'm tired. I'm not tired. I'm okay. They're like, no, officially, you have <laughs> you have two months of holiday, and you need to take it because you can't roll them over anymore. I've been rolling over holidays for a couple of years. Um, so that gave me the motivation. And so by the time I came here, I, I, I already had somewhere to stay, I, they paid for my, um, for, for my belongings to be taken back to Nigeria. I already had a job. I already had a car. So I didn't just jump into it. Um, over, I think over a three-year period, I was coming and looking and searching. And, um, and, um, and then when I, got, when I got home, I didn't actually start at that investment bank I got poached by another company <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I got poached by another company and they were willing to pay me more so and it was not it was actually a pensions company so I um and and pensions had just come come into to Nigeria then um it was a big thing so I thought hey it sounds kind of exciting they didn't have any kind of risk procedures in place and I would be going to board meetings and, and talking at a very high level and helping the, the business to actually look at the risk issues they would have and set, set, set up a department because it didn't have anything. So, yeah, so, so that's pretty much what I, I mean, it was a big risk. And of course, you know, um, what brought me home and the people who brought me home weren't too happy, but it, it was one of those things where um, I, I just jumped right in and, and yeah, I, I kind of rolled with it. Um, um, and that, that goes probably a little bit to, to kind of the nature I have. I, I do take risks. Um, that was a calculated risk because it wasn't as if I was going from, you know, something to nothing. Um, I had a foundation and I just traded up as it were. Um, and I remember when I started at the pensions company, one of the very first questions um, the managing director asked me was, um, you know, they were worried about my pay. Um, because I was young and it was a lot. <laughs> it was, was it was like, young and it was a lot. <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> so yes. They were worried. You wasn't worried. You was like, oh, okay, I'll take that, you know. <laughs> why was, why was they worried about your pay? Um, because, I, you know, Nigeria is, uh, is um, very conservative when it comes to um, things around age 
and um, you know, young people are seen as still, you know, you're still seen as young. You don't, even if you have all the qualifications, your age sometimes can be a barrier to doing certain things. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a barrier. It was, it was just, it's a, a more traditional mindset that, you know, oh, you're quite young, you're quite fresh. Oh, I don't, you know, and uh, people, if people find out what you're earning, it could be a problem. You could, you know, rock the boat. What? And, um, and uh, so what she said was they weren't going to pay me everything. They would pay me some of it as a bonus. And, um, and I said, yeah, that's fine. Because in the back of my mind, I said, I'm going to earn this bonus. So yeah. it doesn't matter how you carve it up and what you call it. <laughs> you know, in the back of your mind to say, okay, yeah. I'm still going to get this yeah, because money by, by crook. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, and that's pretty much what I did because um, um, I just worked as hard as I could and come, you know, bonus time, when you tell me how, how I've scored and you, you're giving me 90%, then you, you're giving me all the money. So <laughs> that's pretty much how it worked out. Um, so, so yeah, so that was it. So, so I, I, I found a structured way of coming, coming back. Um, you know, the reason why I wanted to come home was, um, I, I think for me, being in the UK was quite safe. And I thought to myself, I didn't want to get to a situation where I felt that I hadn't taken any risks. Um, and I'd be thinking, oh, what if I'd done this? Or what if I'd done that? So why not just try and go out and do some of those things you're thinking about? Um, and, um, and my family are here, mostly. So I, I had foundation, yeah. So the, I, the worst case scenario would be I'd be living at home with my mom. Um, so, that, so that was, that was, that was, yeah. So I had kind of, um, you know, it was quite stable. In terms of me coming back, I'd secured a job, I had somewhere to live, I had a car, you know, so there was, so I, I ticked all the boxes. When I was listening to you, I, I did come up with the two words, you take calculated risk, right. you know, you make sure that you do your investigation, your research, yeah. and then you make yeah. your plans and you make your move type of thing, yes. you know, yeah. very calculated yeah. That's one thing um, with regards to the, the businesses, the three businesses that you are involved in and have set up is that, you know, you have to, in order to be an entrepreneur, a successful one, you must be able to have the character to be, um, to love risk, to take risk, but you can yeah. also take calculated risk as well. Because yes. I was yeah. researching um Forbes magazine and they talk about the key skills that you know entrepreneurs should possess and one of them is the ability to ask for help um, finance management and the, another one is listening skills but obviously we all know it's a given that you must have the personality to take risks. You know being entrepreneurial is is um, especially in this environment it can be quite tough so you 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 most of the times the first things you do as you fall, you go back to your family and the people that you know to help. Um, and so uh, in the initial stages, you are borrowing from family or yeah. you know, you're using family resources to get the business off the ground. Um, and um, yeah, I, I mean, the ability to listen is, is important because you, you, you're relying on other people to fill in certain gaps. Um, and to give advice and then so to not to get the best advice you need to listen to all of it um and then be able to key in where you think is where you think that the important aspects are um 
And um, yeah, perseverance, it's very key um, because, you know, you always hear about, you, what you hear about is the celebrated entrepreneurs and how they've made lots of money and how lots of success, but um, you can be 100% sure that there are many times when they failed and um, many other individuals who are not mentioned who, who have, because of the circumstances, might not seem so successful, but maybe because and it's not it's not a wealth thing. Um, success comes in very different ways, um, um, and the challenges and and the challenges of, of of being successful in in the Nigerian African space is completely different to what it would be in the UK or the US because um, Africa has is not as enabling an environment, you know, there are lots of opportunities, but it's not necessarily always as, as enabling an environment. And that's just, that could just be infrastructure. Yeah. Um, the infrastructure just isn't there to support you in the way you'd like. Yeah. Um, if I walked into Santander Bank in London High Street and I, and I said, I want to start a business, um, they would pull out some sort of brochure and say, here you go and fill this in and come back. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But but it, but the banking system in Nigeria is just not keyed up that way, initially. So it's very difficult to go and say I want to start a business and and get a business loan. Um, quite a few things come with that. So you have to lean on on what what you have um, in terms of support. Um, there's no way you would be able to, you know, get out the front door in this environment if you if you think you can do it all by yourself. Um, because what you, another thing is, you know, for the very first few years, what you'll tend to be doing is just trying to keep the business afloat. Um, and even if what you wanted to do was sell peanuts, for instance, um, um, you might also end up selling carrots and um, green beans and cabbage. And, you know, just because where you are trying to get to is slightly more difficult, you know, peanuts might be a difficult process and you need other things to do to support that that ultimate goal that you're trying to trying to reach or achieve, um, and so that's where you now looking at my looking at my um, profile. That's where you know you have to be multifaceted and faceted in, 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 in kind of things you're trying to achieve. And if all, yeah. other opportunities come come up, then you you jump on them because they're not necessarily your 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 where your strength lie, but you have to get an interest in some of those areas. Um, and what you, what you also tend to find out here is that um, the entrepreneurial space is quite small. You know, you you will find out that um, once you spent a couple of years, you will probably have seen the top and the bottom of that industry okay. from the entrepreneurial space, um, um, simply because the 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 types of businesses that survive in this environment. Um, tend to be what you might call vanilla in, in many aspects. Um, and that, again, that's probably more to do with the infrastructure than anything else. Um, so even in the farming industry, for instance, or in the banking industry, um, you tend to get quite vanilla products and because you need to think about the market space. Um, Nigeria is 200 million people strong, but how many people can actually afford yes. what we were trying to sell to them yeah um, and, and, yeah and if those services or opportunities that you're trying to bring out are not vanilla enough for, for to cut across um kind of uh, everyone 
then you're going to come unstuck quite quickly. Definitely. Um, yeah. So the fashion industry, for instance, would be an industry whereby if you're going to make clothes, you have to make enough for the masses to be able to afford. Mm. Um, otherwise, you are relying on the top 1% to buy your products. And that isn't necessarily a sustainable business. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so that's why things like um, the, the compressed natural gas are important because Nigeria has an abundance of natural gas and power is a problem that we have here. So if you take the gas and you can process it to provide power, then you are solving a problem that 200 million people have. Lovely. <laughs> you know, I love that because yeah. that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about. I wanted to ask you how you got into, you know, um, compressed natural gas. After spending about um, seven years, we, we, we used to provide services for an oil and gas company, a Nigerian oil and gas company. Um, we spent seven years, you know, doing little bits of construction and procurement and training. And, um, and then we realized they had these assets that they weren't using. They had these gas stations that they weren't optimizing because their focus was more on the, on the petrol side of things. And so we said, oh, well, we noticed that you have these assets. Why don't we run these assets for you um, and we will share the profits? And they said, okay, no problem. And because it's cooking gas and everybody needs to eat, you know, you, 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 it's, it just becomes an economy of scale. So obviously the more gas you sell, the more profits you're going to make. And um, we, started, we started off selling the gas quite well, um, but the business the business owners decided that they wanted to sell the business. And so they sold it to another company um, because the, the ultimate shareholder of that business was moving into power generation, which is completely different. <laughs> so he sold out of the gas, he sold out of the petrol um, business. Um, it was bought over by another company whose primary market strategy was gas. Um, and so there was no way we could coexist in the same bubble it was they 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 own the assets. So if effectively, what happened was when our contract was expired, it wasn't renewed, um, and whatever assets that we had, they bought out the assets as well. Okay. Um, and so, um, so so that pretty much ended that. that I think I spent about two years doing that, and um, and then another opportunity came through some a good a very good friend of mine who was in the renewable energy space. Um, he built the first large solar array in Nigeria, um, somewhere in the north. Um, I think wow. it was at that time. That was over 10 years ago. Um, and he's progressively, progressively moved away from renewable energy into the gas side of things. And so, you know, when, when there was this gap in my own timeline and when he's picking up more of the reins of, you know, um, the CNG side of things, it was it was a case of why don't we come together and um, start a company, start a business together, and grow it from there. So yeah, so that's been the journey on the gas side of things for the past year. So you get your passion and drive from you know, like you are involved in three different businesses in Nigeria. Like where do you get your passion and your drive from, Lanre? I think I think initially it was just. You know, I, I, you know, I left, I left 
So I left the, the, the insurance and the pension side of things. I think I, I only spent like two years. Um, and then, so, so, you know, starting this small business and it was a startup. And um, I think the passion comes from, you know, you have to survive because at some point in time, uh, there's no, you know, there's no, there's nothing coming at the end of the month. So you, you, you automatically have to be able to think of, okay, how am I going to survive? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to, you know, so you, you, a little bit of the passion comes from there, being able to sustain yourself yeah. in this period. And then this, the second bit is more building things. Um, so when you're, when you're building things and you are kind of responsible for other people's lives, you know, so you employ people, and their families, they've got children, blah, 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 blah. Once you start building and you start putting these blocks together, you start automatically your passion for that thing that you've created automatically starts to, you know, it's like a little baby, you know. Yes, yeah. You know, you, you've, you, it's, it's born, it's, it's living, it's alive, and you have to continue to feed it to, for it to grow. Um, and you just get into this cycle of, What's next? You know, how can we do this? How can we get bigger? How can we do this? And blah, 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 blah. Um, so the passion comes from there. So you wake up every morning and honestly, no two days are ever the same. I just and love it. So I'm just going to do a random question. Um, I have different questions and this is courtesy of my good friend, Stephen Thomas. Um, so questions between one and 20. I want you to pick a number between one and 20 and I would like you to answer it. So what number would you pick between one and 20? Number seven. Number seven. Yeah. Okay. So number seven is what is your favorite country? And I'm going to say why as well. What is your favorite country and why? Hmm. I think okay. So just before, um, just before the lockdown in March, um, um, my wife and I we went to Colombia and Brazil, um, and we were away for. We were in Colombia for a month, and we were in Brazil. We were away for about six weeks. We were in Colombia for about a month, and we were in Brazil for about two weeks just about two weeks. And, um, you know, the, the, the Colombia has this, you have this stereotype of, you know, Pablo Escobar, and it's all about drugs. Cocaine, and, drugs, and yeah, the cartels yeah. and everything. I love watching <laughs> stuff like that on Netflix. Yeah. I tell you, I just yeah. so love it. <laughs> but it's, it's far, far, far from, from that. That was Colombia 50 years ago, 40, 50 years ago. Um, and it's, it's not like that now. Um, they have some of the best beaches, you know, in the world. And we're not talking about, you know, because, okay, so we've, around Africa, we've been to um, the seashells and places like that. So you know what kind of, when you're talking about beaches and water, you, we have a good idea. Of you have a good the, idea, yeah. Yeah. And um, Colombia has, has. Magnificent. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and uh, the food and. It's it's amazing. Um, we went to um, we we went quite we went to quite a few places. We went to Bogota and we went to Medellin. Medellin is where um, um, Escobar was from. Yes. And it's interesting because the Colombians uh, are embarrassed by the whole Escobar um, 
that's called an incident. Um, they had there's a tour you can go on and you can go on a Pablo Escobar tour, but they kind of dissuade you from going on that tour because it's not it's not a true reflection of yeah who they are yeah um, true um, so yeah so we we went to some unbelievable places and um, because it's I guess because it's my last holiday it's it's my favorite place and I'd love to go back um, and Brazil was. Now, Brazil was, it was, by the time we got to Brazil, there had been about three COVID cases in Sao Paulo. Um, and we spent a night in Sao Paulo thinking, you know, we're going around, we went to, you know, we're going to get, to, by the time we get to Rio, it's going to be fantastic. We're going yes. to do all this thing. <laughs> and, um, but, but we went to, so, so we left, um, we left Sao Paulo after one day. Um, and then we went to Bahia and we spent... I love like, Bahia. Days in Bahia, we, you know, that was great, fantastic. But then by the time we flew into Rio, um, because, you know, the, the, the governors in the different parts of the country have the powers to do whatever they want, um, Sao Paulo decided to, to keep it running, despite the fact that it was COVID. And Rio, the governor decided they was going to shut everything down. So by the time we got into Rio, everything was beginning to shut down. And you couldn't do, you know, Sugarloaf Mountain or uh, Crystal or whatever. We didn't, we, we couldn't do any of those things. We could only go to the beach. And a day before the left, even the beaches started to close down, um, you know, because they wanted everyone to be complete lockdown and everything. So Brazil wasn't wasn't so great, um, but it was still, yeah, it was great. It was yeah, you've picked overall, yeah, it was. A wonderful time. You picked two one lovely countries. I mean, Brazil, I've been to Brazil and that place is, yeah, yeah, there's a place in my heart for Brazil and I will get back there soon, you know, <laughs> I will get back there soon. So talking about lockdown, because we are currently in lockdown number two, um, how has or has COVID impacted your businesses? Um, for, the, for the landscaping, um, it's actually worked in reverse because people are looking for more open spaces. Right. Um, people are looking for so if you if you had you know if you had a garden and you hadn't done much with it and all of a sudden it becomes important because now you can you want to be outside more and um, so we're getting lots of requests for help in you know maintaining gardens and mm. bringing the gardeners up to scratch and you know with plants and people are coming in to buy plants etc. Um, and so as soon as, I mean, there was a lockdown for about six to eight weeks. And as soon as that ended, people were, wanted to do things. They wanted to be around greenery and be outside and, you know, reduce the COVID impact. So if you're outside more, then, you know, the impact is reduced. And so all these spaces that people have that they weren't necessarily using before have become more important. Um, so in that sense, it's been great. And, and because, again, even indoors, what you find is that plants obviously help with you know, air and recycling. Yes, yes. Coming in and they're buying tons and tons of plants that, you know, indoor plants and plants you can, um, so that's, that's been good. Um, for, for the other businesses, it's been a bit slower because um, on the construction side, I've, I've got a few construction projects going on and, um, um, you know, the government put some restrictions on how many people can be on a construction site um, at any one particular time. And then they limited the number of hours people could actually work. Okay. Um, 
but ultimately some of these projects um, started before COVID. So there's a lot of there's a lot of finances and things that have been done, and you know, money has changed hands. But you know, yeah. so the contractors have an obligation to do the work, so they just couldn't wait to get back to work. So that's slowly started to build up again. Awesome. Um, people, are, yeah. So, um, you know, when you've paid for something, <laughs> ultimately it's, it's got to be delivered. So that's been okay. It's just been a case of when there hasn't been lockdown, then and there haven't been any restrictions, the business the construction side of things have been able to pick up. Okay. Um, and then for um, the the gas side of things, well, I think we're just, we spent more time in the planning stage because it's new, we're, we're planning on, on the technicals. So um, at, at this point in time, to get the gas that you need delivered to where you want it to be, is quite technical. Right. Um, called a virtual pipeline, which is what we're trying to put in place now. So looking back, what um, career advice would you give to your younger self? When I left um, uh, the pensions company to, to start the, basically what was a startup, um, I, I didn't think I could do more than that. I thought this is where my capacity is now maxed out. And for the next few years, I'm going to be focusing solely on that. Um, but that's, that's not the case. <laughs> so I've come out of that cycle and I realized that actually I could have done more. I could have done even more with that time. Um, and to have my hands in more pies than, than, than I did at that time, because I, I had, you know, I had little, you know, I had little things that I was interested in, um, just to the side, I used to sell champagne, you know, just, you know, I wasn't oh, taking it seriously. Oh, okay, good. You know, I always, you know, oh, you need champagne? Okay, I, you know, I used to sell yeah. that, you know, and do one or two other things. And I realized that actually I could have kept those things going. Yes. You know, and I could have built on those things. Um, but because I just thought, oh, I know, I just have to focus on this particular thing. Everything else has to, has to be put to one side. Um, but I'm coming out of that and I realized that actually I could have, I could have just carried on, you know, um, there was no reason why I didn't, but so that, that would be the answer. You know, That'd the, be answer the, to that. I, yeah. To, to, to my younger self, just don't drop anything. <laughs> don't drop anything, you know, because yeah. And that's why I think of myself more as a collaborator. What advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about, you know, moving to Nigeria in particular, because that's where you are. Um, to set up business, what advice um, would you give them? Would you say, don't do it? <laughs> or would you say, <laughs> or would you say, come, 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 come on. If, if you, you know, it's, it, first of all, you, it's all about the passion and the desire that you have. Because, you know, whilst you're making all these plans, life happens. So, you're not you're not a robot you're not living in this world whereby um there are not going to be other variables that come into your space to take your focus away or or, or. so you have to be determined yeah um you have to be determined in and you have to be interested in going on a journey because if you if you are an extremely structured person, then I'd say don't come to Nigeria. 
I like that if you're extremely structured, don't come. <laughs> Stay in the UK or wherever you are, you know, don't come <laughs> yeah. over here. Don't come because, you know, you're not, things are Things work, but they don't necessarily work in the way they don't. They're not going to work in the way you want them to. And unless you are able to to go with the flow and still be structured, then it's going to be difficult for you to survive. Um, and it's 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 very simple. It's, it, and it's not anything. It's not anything funny or dodgy or anything. It's just the way the system is. So, for instance, um, if you wanted to start a business here, you have to think about quite a few things. You don't just have to think about how to run the business. You have to think about how to power the business. So if you only have 12 hours of electricity, for instance, um, and those 12 hours of electricity are between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., and your business is running from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., then you have to think about how you're going to power yes. that business. Um, so if if and, and if and if you want to be structured in, in being able to do that, it's it's gonna be very difficult. You know, you have to think about all those little little things that anywhere else, I mean, you you you're in London, you don't think about oh I wonder if I put if the put put the light on, there'll actually be light. <laughs> no, you don't even think about that. It's it's a given. You switch yeah. on the light, the gas yeah. and everything, it will yeah. be on. Yeah. Coming here is also about perseverance. You have to be able to persevere. You cannot look, and, and perseverance comes in, in terms of, sometimes it's in terms of time. Sometimes the marketplace isn't ready for exactly what you're trying to give it. Um, so you might have to spend a bit more time than you thought you would. Um, sometimes you don't have to be so sophisticated in, in, in what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, we're only just getting used to brown envelopes. And then you want to come and you want to bring red envelopes and green envelopes oh. and yellow envelopes. They're fantastic ideas, mm. but you might not necessarily have the materials to deliver the quality that you want. Mm. So you might, the yellow paper, I don't know how yellow paper is made, but mm -hmm. you, you might find that when it comes out, it's not actually quite yellow. It's, it's more ochre or a different color, you know, mm. and it's not quite blue. It's, there's a different, it's not maroon, it's sky blue, it's this, it's that, you know. So those are kind of things that you have to be flexible on um, and say, okay, well, the market maybe may not be ready for this yet, but I'll keep it in my back pocket and I'll, and I'll continue to work on it. Um, if, if, you, okay, if you want to bring something into Nigeria, let's say you're bringing something in from China. Let's say it's a raw material from China. Um, we all know that shipping time is 45 days. Right. So it gets on the ship. And in 45 days, it will land at a port in Lagos. But that product or that material leaving the port of Lagos and getting into your warehouse or into your office, there is no guaranteed time. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It could be one week. It could be six weeks. Okay. So you have to think in that way that oh, mm. you're going to have to do, you have to build all these other things, all these facets into your business, into your mind, into whatever it is you're trying to achieve and be flexible. It doesn't mean you're compromising your standards. It just means that the system isn't necessarily geared towards what you're trying to achieve. And it will only change when you have more of a say. True. So the bigger you get 
And the more you're able to do things and you know people and you influence and the business has grown and it's been 10 years and 15 years and 20 years, before you know it, the yellow paper that you wanted to make in this particular way becomes possible because now you, you've spent 20 years in the industry, you have a voice, you probably know people who in the regulatory system are able to make things happen and you're able to move things in a certain way. That's, so that's the journey you might have to go on. Um, but if, if you want everything to be perfect and you want a, kind of like a perfect life or a perfect work-life balance or any of those kind of things, then it'll be difficult for you to be in Nigeria. Okay. Um, it's as simple as people being on time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be Nigerian real now. Time, time yeah. Time yeah, management it's, it's is, is important. But I really like what yeah. you said. It's, it's, it's like um, opposed to having... Well, and to ensure that you have, well, to not have a fixed mindset in terms of mm -hmm. business, not in terms of like your growth, but in terms of yeah. the business and how things are set up in Nigeria. It's just like yeah. that in the Caribbean. You have to factor in, as you were saying, um, you have to work back because, you know, 45 days in terms of delivery. And then yeah. when it gets to the port, they have to do all their custom and excise checks. We don't really yeah. know. It says it's supposed to be 10 days, but it could be 20 days. So you have to sort yeah. of like factor all of yeah. those things in um, yeah. to make sure that things are working for you because then you get frustrated. Yes. <laughs> you get yeah. so yeah. frustrated with the situation. Then what will you end up doing? Packing up your bags and coming right and back and to and the and UK. Yeah, yeah. So you, you said guess, perseverance, guess... isn't it, is important. Having perseverance, yeah. not having, well, not having a fixed mindset and to be open mm -hmm. to the culture that is in um, the place yes. that you want to be. And we're talking about Nigeria today. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think it's also, I think it's perseverance also, you know, in life, sometimes you could, you could leave something just at the point where it's starting to make sense. But because you want it to make sense in a particular way, and you've not seen that it's making sense in other ways, that you then say, oh, I'm, I'm just going to pack it in and just, you know, um, up and leave. Um, and, and again, success is, you know, whose measurement of success are you looking at? Is it your measurement of success? How, what does success look like for you? Um, there are people who are not successful until they're in their 50s or 60s True. or 70s. Even, True. You know, and they, the success came at the point where they had learned quite a few things and everything just came at that particular point for them. Um, so, you know, you, you have, and, and again, Nigeria is a very traditional place. So you, you always, there's always this issue of, you know, looking at what the Joneses are doing and, you know, oh, Mrs. Jones is doing this, so I should be doing it. <laughs> yeah, you should Mrs. be doing Jones that. Is and I should be doing this and that. Just do um, your thing, but, isn't it? Yeah. Just do your thing. And, and that's not the journey. You know, that's yeah, not the journey. true. If you, if you don't enjoy the journey as, as, as well as arriving at the destination, then uh, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. You know, as I said, the key thing, takeaways, perseverance, not having a fixed mindset in terms of doing business in Nigeria yeah. or abroad anyway. And yeah. just, I would say, learn and um, embrace the culture of yeah. the country that you are doing business in, you know, yeah. and respect it too. Wonderful. Yeah. And, as, and enjoy the journey. 
you know um you have to enjoy the journey and you have to you have to take each experience and store it somewhere you know um, sometimes the experiences might seem mundane um you know it, we have i've had situations where i you know it could be anything i mean i, I could tell you so we, we employed this person and um I didn't ask her, I mean, she was married. I knew she was married. I didn't ask her if she was had any children or she was planning to have any children. I didn't ask her that question. But then, you know, about two months later, my partner comes in and says, she's pregnant. And I'm like, um, I'm, I'm not sure. Is she? Is she? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? You, you tell me. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, there's nothing wrong with it. But, but you're working through your probation so you're working through your probation period and you're just about to have a baby and you didn't disclose the fact that you're just about to have a baby which now means we have an issue with your probation because you're going to ask for time off within your probation yeah yeah, yeah. which is not i mean we're not going to say no you can't go now you baby i mean who's going to say that well she wouldn't be able but, to complete then, her, her probation though would she yeah yeah no she wouldn't so, no, so she wouldn't so, mm. You know, that's a scenario that, you know, you don't think, I mean, I don't, I, it never crossed my mind. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have the situation you're dealing with and it's taking over everything. Yeah. And you just employ this person and she's, you know, you just employed her and she's just starting and all of a sudden she's going away, she's going on maternity leave and you're thinking, oh my, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah, but what, yeah what, what does the law say about that? Like, and how does the law protect you? Well, she, as she, she, she just doesn't get any paid leave. Right, okay. Mm. You know, but because we don't know that, it's the biggest thing. We were yeah. oh man, we have some yeah. other oh, yeah, you're like this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh my and, goodness. And, and that's taken over the whole day. And so at the beginning of the day, nine o'clock, he comes in and says, Is she pregnant? And I'm like, hmm, I don't know if she's pregnant or not. <laughs> and then it's 5 p.m. He's like, oh, it's okay. Oh, and so I spent all day dealing on that one issue. My goodness. And yeah, so that was that's like on a Monday. And then a Tuesday, it's something else. And a Wednesday, it's, you know, so it's just a, the journey can be, it can be unbelievable. Mm. You know, um, you, 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 you make acquaintances and you build relationships with people who you've never seen in other parts of the world. Um, that can also be rich and rewarding, but it can also be a nightmare, you know. Um, you know, the risk of letting other people into your business in terms of knowing what you're trying to achieve. And they're like, oh, we can go and do that. We can, we can, do, we can go there and do that. We don't know anything about it, but we can go and do it. Um, we've had, you know, I've had scenarios like that where we've invited people into the country and they come in and all of a sudden they think they can do the business and they want to go and run with it. And then, they, you know, they're doing all sorts of things around you. And yeah, so. You've got to write a book. <laughs> You've got to write a book, Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> you know of your experiences oh, yeah. setting up business in Nigeria. You got to write a book. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think I think what you'll find is that all these experiences are what a lot of people go through. But like I said, yes, because it's true. sometimes it can be a lonely journey. Yeah, you, it's only when you sit down and you meet other entrepreneurs on the other occasion that you get to have this conversation. Then you realize actually, I'm not on my own. Yeah, very true. A lot, of, a lot of the time when you finish the conversation, you're like, wow, I thought I was on my own. I, I'm actually not on my own. I, these, everybody's having these issues. 
gosh, Lanre, Lanre. So as we've come to the end now, you have given such great advice, you know, and also been able to provide so many different examples of the ups and the downs and the wonderful ins and outs, you know, of yeah. moving to Nigeria and setting up a business type of thing. So I just want us to leave with this. I want you to share one word of your experience to sum up your experience so far moving to Nigeria setting up business in Nigeria one word one word hmm. Uh, hmm. it's exciting exciting yeah it is um because it because because it's I'm still on that journey you know it's not a journey that's that's you know it's it's so many chapters to go and so many pages and things have been unwritten and um, so many turns and swings and roundabouts. I think it's it, it's it's exciting. I find it looking back at it now. The, I've you know been doing on a, sometimes on a day to day basis. You might think, oh, it's, it's a bit mundane. Looking reading through contracts and well, it's a bit boring. But when you are getting into things that you never thought you would necessarily do, I mean, I, I never thought I'd be gas. I mean. It never crossed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years ago, it was not even, I didn't, I never thought about it. Um, and then when you actually see something come to fruition and you sell your first cylinder of gas or you do, you know, you you employ your first set of staff and the, and the things are, you know, then it becomes a different thing. Um, and it starts to have this snowball effect and it, it's, it can be exciting. So I would say exciting because so many chapters are still to be written and I'm still learning quite a few things. So, yeah. Hey everyone, this is your host, Sophia Lewis. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Employability Matters a careers and job-related podcast where we dive into all topics associated with the world of work. Thank you for subscribing. I very much appreciate your support and remember to share with your family and friends. It would be appreciated if you could leave a great review on our YouTube channel, Anchor FM, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I will be back next week for another great episode so until then remember employability matters